once the world was full of wonders, but it belongs to humans now. We creatures have all but disappeared. Demons, vampires and witches, hiding in plain sight, fearful of discovery, ill at ease even with each other. Once again, to a discovery of witches, demons, and vampires, the podcast, a podcast about the weekly television series, A Discovery of Witches, found on Shudder in the United States and various other stations in the UK. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the US of A, and with me in the state, actually, let me rephrase, the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, the spirit. All right, how's it going? Going well. Excellent. And in the state of Missouri. Hi, this is Kevin. Kevin, how's it going? I am doing well. I'm just relaxing with my cat. Very good, very good. I am uh, in the basement right now. My dog was sleeping, so I didn't. she usually wants to come down with me, but she decided not to. She was sleeping. Anyway, um, and, you know, and Barrett always puts pictures of his cat, so we're all animal lovers over here. Um, now, uh, for folks who have just stumbled upon us, who are we and what's all this? Well, and, uh, well, good we are, I'm sorry. It's a good question. Yep. So, uh, we are part of the dark discussions news network. What is that you ask? Well, the dark discussions news network is a genre news website, uh, at www.darkdiscussions.com, which basically uh, has news. So columns, interviews, reviews, uh, podcasts, and so forth. Uh, myself, Barrett, and Kevin are on one of the podcasts right here, which is a Discovery of Witches, Demons, and Vampires. There's over 30 or so podcasts on the network, and uh, this is just one of the many. Um, if you are a fan of genre stuff, and that includes horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, art house, foreign films, uh, midnight movies, cult films, video games, uh, horror books, uh, fantasy novels, you know, you name it, whatever. Um, basically, uh, the website has that news and is updated daily, maybe multiple times uh, with articles and whatnot. So it should be a place you come and check out every single day um so that's all we got there that's the house cleaning so i guess we can get into uh what we're gonna do tonight uh but before we do that um well actually let me just explain what we do here first so basically we're going to critique and review uh the episode 10 uh, which is the season finale of season two. Uh, basically, for folks who are probably listening to this podcast, they don't want to just hear a review. They want to hear a discussion 
on the show because obviously if you're a fan of the show you would be listening to this you wouldn't be just coming here and pressing play for no reason uh so we are assuming you have watched the episode um but before we do that discussion we do have three emails tonight uh that's right uh, two two different uh people who wrote into us and yet two emails from one person and uh we'll go with uh uh, one that talks about episode eight of a discovery of witches. And, uh, Kevin, you have that email, I think. Yes, uh, I think so. And this is from Debbie. Uh, and I think it's from the, I think it's from Debbie. Oh, Ledesma. Yes. Ledesma. Yes. Thank you. I, I did not want to butcher her last name. Um, so, again, Debbie, thank you very much for uh, sending in an email. Uh, it's very appreciative, and I really enjoy hearing your insights, uh, especially since you read the book, because uh, I know um, I know what it's like to, to listen to a podcast you know, about the movie, but then after you read the book, you know you can kind of fill in the gaps and kind of know the differences. Uh, we actually did a podcast like that for Salem's Lot, which was uh, actually, no, did, Phil did a uh, Dark Discussions did po- a podcast on Salem's Lot, and I kind of did the same email, uh, kind of filling in between the book and the, mo- and, the, uh, and the show. So anyway, this is from Debbie. Uh, it says, hello, gentlemen. Thank you for another interesting podcast. Enjoyed it again. You did pronounce my name, my last name right. Thank God. Uh, on to filing uh, or sorry my bad on to filling you in on some of the things you talked about this bridge episode covered a lot of things in the present day in the books there were only a couple chapters uh in the book interspersed between matthew and diana traveling around there is no mention of the ants uh or uh the ants are doing the ritual in the books nor is there any mention of the baby peter knox has one chapter where he finds Kelly's notes and kills a curator while doing it. Marcus and Phoebe do have a couple chapters devoted to their growing relationship. Domenico has no part in the books. Hmm. Also, as to the book of life uh, or death, Matthew has no problem with it in the book. He is relieved to find it. The book uh, is not making Diana sick, which you find out in the next episode. Also, Diana's father wrote in the Book of Life, so he has something to do with it going to Diana. Gallo Glass will be in the next season. He has an interesting storyline. I know you're curious about Baldwin. In the books, Baldwin is the head of the, of the de Claremont family, but never the head of the Knights, but never a traitor. He does have more to do in the next book. I will talk about Louisa. After the next episode, I don't want to spoil things for you or listeners of the podcast that might not have read the book. Sincerely, Debbie. Thank you, Debbie. That was very good. That's really interesting that, uh, what is it, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Domenico. Domenico, yeah. Domenico's not even in the book, but I can, I've seen a lot of shows where they've done that, uh. Well, and I really like his character, so I am glad he's there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I heard in in um, the origin in the books, uh, the Walking Dead books, uh, the um, Daryl is not even in them. 
but they added him as a character and he became like a very well-liked character in this, in the show. Yeah. And what show is that? Walking Walking Dead. Dead. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, uh, his brother that was in season one, uh, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Domenico's character. I, I would have never guessed that he was not, uh, written in the book. That's pretty amazing, actually. It's um, funny because. I, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say I agree with you, Barrett. Which is, uh, yeah, he's he's like one of my favorite characters. I just had a f- interesting point. We were watching a new show on Netflix this weekend that he's actually in. It's called uh, The One. Um, it's a new show that came out on Friday on Netflix. Oh, that actor. Yeah, the the actor is in that in this, in this new series, so I was kind of surprised to see him. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. A, I think he's a British actor. Um, yeah. He is. I think I think he's half Armenian. Um, he looks very different in this new show because he's clean shaven completely, and he plays a cop. But he plays a cop again, which is funny because he plays a cop in this oh. too, right? <laughs> does he does he uh, hide his accent in this show too that you're watching? No, he sounds well. He sounds British in it. I mean, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And and what is that? Is that a BBC show or something? No, it's a Netflix original, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. So maybe they have a. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Okay. And where does it take place in the UK? Yeah. In the UK in present day. And it's basically, um, they have found a way for the use DNA to match you to the one true love of your life, but it's more of a drama thriller thing. It's interesting. I don't know yeah, if I'd say it's great or good or not yet, but <laughs> oh, that's cool. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, for, for uh, 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 Debbie. Yeah, yeah, Ledesma. The reason I knew I knew how to pronounce her name was uh, because there was a couple of baseball players, Aaron Ledesma and Wilfredo Ledesma, uh, that uh, I knew how it was pronounced. But uh, uh, actually, though, Wilfredo Ledesma, he spells his name with a Z. And rather rather than S, while Aaron Ledesma uh, spelled his name with an S, so similar to Debbie. Uh, just some trivia there. Uh, most Ledesmas live uh, in um, Argentina, as a matter of fact. Huh. Yep. So I, I, I'm a big fan of onomastics. So this is this is probably the one podcast I never really have t- talked about that, which was kind of interesting. But I usually do. Uh, onomastics, which is the the names, origins of names, and, and people, or surnames, I should say. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. I've always um, found that very interesting, and in how regional regional differences and all that. Yeah, it's it's quite. Yeah, yeah, it, it is really cool. Yeah, because you can like uh, if there's an I S at the end of a person's last name, uh, that is either Greek or Lithuanian, like ninety something percent, and then you know you can tell an Italian name or, you know, a Portuguese name or a French name, you know, it's, it's just interesting how, how it all works. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of cool. Um, all right. So back to a discovery, which is, uh, <laughs> and not bore people. Um, all right. We do have, uh, an email from a new, new, uh, individual. And, uh, this individual is named Anna Van Dyke from California, U S of a, and uh, this is what she has to say. She goes, hello, gentlemen. I just found your podcast about a discovery of witches. It's fun to hear a male viewpoint, as most of the podcasts about the show are by women. 
Just to help you a bit here, some of the relationships in the TV series that have been shown. First, witches, demons, and vampires are not allowed to fraternize. It's the idea that you don't trust someone who isn't your kind, as well as to keep the bloodlines pure. Obviously, if a demon is having a witch baby, the bloodlines are already mixed a bit. Um, and she actually does spell demons, um, the D-A-E-M-O-N-S way. So maybe we, we screwed up the name of the podcast. We've, we, we've ruined our podcast name because we're, we're saying demons with an E rather than an A-E. Oh, well. Yeah, I think we covered some of that already. Yes, we did. Yeah. You brought it up, yeah. actually, Kevin. Uh, yep. But it is too late now. So, Anyway, uh, the congregation is made up of nine members, three vampires, three witches, and three demons at all times. Although the actual members, they themselves change. Next point. Philippe is the vampire sire of Baldwin and several others. His vampire sire however, is unknown. His estimated age is over 3,000 years old. Isabel is the vampire sire of Matthew and Louisa. She had known Matthew since he was a young human child, and her vampire sire also is unknown. Matthew is the vampire sire of Marcus. Marcus was turned about 250 years ago. He is just a baby as vampires go. By the way, Matthew needed Diana to get him back in time. And that's the reason why um, uh, they went to 1591. Galloglass is the vampire son of Hugh, who was sired by Philippe. This makes him Matthew's vampire nephew. All right. So uh, Hugh has not appeared in the show. So he may be a minor character in the books. Uh, now she has some, uh, some paragraphs here, and this is what she says. She goes, I can tell you as a book reader, I'm really excited about how they have adapted the story to the small screen. As much as I would love to have more episodes, I'm so excited to see how the creators of the show really make you feel like you are there. It especially shows in the 1590 timeline. They upped their game on special effects in Series 2 as well. As the book is from Diana's perspective, it's interesting to see some scenes in the series that aren't. It changes the dynamic a bit, especially the character of Kit. But isn't that how real life works? In the books, he is much more the wounded, cast-off wannabe lover, while on the TV show, he is more balanced in the friend zone. Not that they hide the crush he has on Matthew, they just don't overly dwell upon it on the show. When I heard that it was being adapted for television, I was really anxious about how they would portray Philippe. Even though he is not in the present time, his presence looms large up over everyone. I can tell you that James Purefoy, who is playing him, really nails this character. My favorite surprise TV character has been Goody Alsop. Sheila Hancock really comes across as a very powerful person in the body of an elderly woman. Louisa is a batshit crazy as she 
in the show as she is in the books. Her and Matthew may both have blood rage, but Matthew isn't unhinged as Louisa. Why was she ever turned is a total mystery. Keep it up, guys. The number of downloads doesn't lie. A lot of people are eating up your podcast. I'm looking forward to the final or finale. Bring on series three or what we would call in the States season three, Anna from California. All right. Thank you, Anna. Uh, some really good, uh, interesting things there. Um, uh, that is interesting to find out that there are other, I mean, obviously we knew there were other podcasts out there about the show. Uh, I haven't gone to search them out, but it is interesting to know that um, most of them, if not all of them besides us, are uh, female uh, hosts. So uh, that, yeah, I guess we are a, a different perspective. And to be honest, I think that may be true because I remember when I mentioned the show to Mike, one of our co-hosts on the Dark Discussions uh, podcast, which is, is one of the podcasts on the Dark Discussions News Network. Uh, he was mentioning he was watching the show and the first one or two episodes of season one, he was a bit... Um, I guess uh, thinking it was going to be a romance or a Twilight thing, which it, it has some of those vibes, or, or even True Blood for that matter. Um, and as the season went on and he got into season two, he's actually become a, a big fan. But um, I could see, I, I guess the the series may be more apt to be. Uh, have uh, a female viewership i I have no idea but uh that may may be the case uh what's your guys thoughts on that well i'm not surprised considering the fact that this is a very i mean think about the main character really is diana so i mean you have a woman you have a you know she's she's a witch she has you know the her aunts you know both witches and so i mean you're and one of the more powerful vampires is is a woman, yeah. And so it's a very, I, I would mean, I don't know how we could say. I mean, it's definitely focused more on on the woman aspect than it is on, on the guy. I mean, Matthew, yes, he's a he's a major character in this, but he's still not the main character. It's you know, it's not discovery of vampires; it's discovery of witches, yeah, and it's mostly revolving around Diana's life. And uh, so, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, so it, 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 even though we don't have the figures or the numbers, um, I think we could hypothetically assume that it's, it's a very large or, or at least trends more to, uh, the female audience and the male audience, the, the television show. But again, that's that's just a hypothesis and a guess. Barrett, what's yeah, your def- thought? It definitely has that Twilight feel to it, but it's it's much. I, I don't want to say better because I'm going to make like Twilight. Well, you know what it is? It's it's not a YA. <laughs> right? I mean, the, the, yeah, the, it's not young adult. And the female the female protagonist is much stronger in this story than in the Twilight series. I mean, I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, which makes it just a much more enjoyable show, which I think would pull more men into it. Um, but yeah, you're going to see more female viewership, I think, of this show than male, especially with the first season, 
because the first season definitely is a little different in tone. It's not quite as equalized because it is more about her than it is about Matthew. Whereas in the second season, I think you get a little more balance between her and him and other characters as well. So sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, as mentioned, you know, that Twilight is a YA young adult series of books. Um, but also, and, and, you know, its perspective is teenagers. Because, I mean, yeah. it's, the characters are high school characters. Uh, but also, um, and no disrespect to Chris, Kristen Stewart, I think that's her name. Um, uh, Teresa Palmer, um, I, I think, is, is, is a much better uh, actress and, and presence. I know. Stewart, yes. Yeah, I mean, Kristen Stewart has been getting some good write-ups recently, but again, um, I, 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 I don't, I would disagree. And, and Teresa Palmer, I think, is 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 a much stronger actress, and and she just happens to work more um, um, in Australia and European productions than in in the u.s so uh i think it's more that rather than anything else um so yeah 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 um yeah yeah exactly so yeah i mean all right so uh all right that's that email but i think we have one more uh email and this time again from uh, debbie and i think you you have that one uh, barrett right i do and it is from debbie um here we go hello everyone thank you for another interesting podcast I enjoy other insights and critiques. I hope the following clears up some of your quandaries. Louisa must have been sired by Isabeau because she is a blood rage carrier. Galloglass was sired by one of Philippe's other sons. In the books, Philippe had two other sons and daughters in addition to Baldwin. In the books, Diana was pregnant twice. She had a miscarriage with the first child. The show didn't have time to cover that. Also in the books, it's explained that Diana can get pregnant because she is different biologically, something called a chimera, um, which is interesting because I think that might kind of be been looked at in the first season when they were looking at her blood. But anyway, um, the scene with Diana's capture by Louisa and Kit was a jousting scene in the book. She can't kill Kit because he's a historical figure. She knows Louisa's fate in the future. Ah. The fi- that final scene where Matthew and Diana connect was different in the book. That scene was part of the one where Matthew had the blood rage in Bohemia and she stops him from leaving with the fire. That's where he explains about biting and drinking from his mate. After that, Matthew settles down and controls the blood rage. Until next time, take care. Best wishes, Debbie. Cool. Yeah, some interesting points there. That jousting uh, thing sounds kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah, that actually actually does sound pretty cool. <laughs> actually, yeah, I mean that, that would have been neat to see see that put on film for sure. Though, though, yeah. what they did here was pretty good. But yeah, you know, you know what? And the Chimera thing is interesting too, because I mean, if you play or or have played Dungeons and Dragons or something, uh, or even even followed mythology reading like Greek and and, and Norse mythology, um, the Chimera is isn't that like a, a beast that has like a body face and all that of different types of uh, creatures. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, And and to be honest, um, I I would like to know too about our uh, fire Drake too, if that appears in the jousting scene in the book. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so th- thank you there, for, uh, Debbie, for that. Um, I wanted to bring up one other thing. Uh, myself, Barrett, Kevin, and uh, and I, I mentioned Mike, co-host Mike, uh, when he started watching this for, and he's part of the Dark Discussions podcast. Um, the four of us actually did a podcast uh, about uh, the television series a Lovecraft Country called A Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, the podcast. And, and we did that last year during that episode or that show's run. Um, and Kevin, you actually did similar things here where you actually uh, gave well, us insights about Lovecraft Country, the book, because that's actually a book and its differences between the book and what we saw here in the TV show, A Lovecraft Country. So that, that, that was an excellent perspective, um, how you did that. And me and Barrett actually did that, too, when we did, and that just wrapped up, which was Don't Tell Me, I'll Tell You, The Stand podcast, a weekly, television, a weekly podcast about the television series The Stand on the CBS All Access Network, which is now called Paramount+. Plus. And um, we, me and Barrett discussed that show in each episode and the differences between that show and, and the book. And there was a hell of a lot on that one. Um, and not for the good either. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Pre- appreciate the emails, uh, ladies, right? So, thank you, Anna and uh, Debbie. Appreciate it. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Hopefully, you folks will uh, email us again uh, because, yeah, uh, we are announcing that we're going to do another short episode, right? Uh, what, what are we doing next week, uh, Barrett? We are going to do a 30-minute episode just with uh, our final thoughts on Season 2 and what our thoughts are on what is to come in Season 3. That's right. That's right. So if anybody wants to get in their last emails, uh, please send them in this week because we will uh, read those emails on next week's uh, wrap-up of the season and, um, I guess, opinions of what Season 3 will bring us, or Series 3 for you UK uh, listeners. Uh, so, yes, we will have one more episode after this before we will go on hiatus for probably until January of next year, 2022, and we will pick up the podcast then and and uh, appear once again. Um, so that's what happens with these TV series podcasts. But we won't be gone because me, Kevin... And Barrett will also be doing uh, a uh, once to twice a uh, month podcast called Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, which basically does an eclectic group of reviews and critiques on everything from television shows. We we did the French television series Vampires, which um, they're supposedly already making a a season two for that. Uh, We've done movies, uh, including art house films like... My, um, my Summer of Love and AWOL. Uh, we've done some uh, thrillers like uh, Paradise Cove, which is a brand new thriller that came out about a month ago. And then we did a science fiction film, a very low budget dystopian science fiction film called Don't Go, Don't Go. So so we, we did a bunch of different oddball titles and stuff on that podcast. And uh, if you... Army of wanna- One. Army of One, that's right. Yeah, actually, that one got released as Dark Discussions Podcast. Oh, it did. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I thought that yeah. was under the regular. Yeah, yeah. So, so yes, we'll, we're around, uh, even when we're on hiatus from this podcast, um, folks who can come and listen to us on other podcasts in the Dark Discussions News Network. 
Um, so don't be alarmed. Um, and if you're curious which ones they are and you forget, um, you can just email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or press the contact us button on the darkdiscussions.com website and we will email you back that information or any other information you need to know uh, or want to know about the network. On a side note, we're always looking for writers and other podcasters uh, to join us. If you have a podcast or whatnot uh, and need a place, a home, uh, the Dark Discussions News Network is always looking for other podcasts, uh, specifically um, podcasts about movies, TV shows, video games, uh, novels, whatever, you know, entertainment stuff. Um, and also, uh, we are always looking for uh, writers. So if you want to write columns or do reviews uh, or whatever, um, we have openings there as well. And again, you can reach us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or the contact me form on darkdiscussions.com. Uh, just put in the title uh, simple or subject line, uh, simply um, uh, something like... Uh, you know what? Just just for a columnist, right? Or, or opportunity, you know, something like that. Uh, uh, I have a podcast. You know, just put something like that in the subject line. Um, all right. So I guess we can get into our topic tonight. And uh, before we discuss uh, the details, I guess we can go around and discuss how, what we felt about the finale of season three. Uh, let's start with you, Kevin. Well, obviously it was good. It, it was interesting because I actually watched it a couple hours ago. Um, kind of, uh, well, I wasn't feeling well yesterday, so I was, after, I, you know, I pretty much was sleeping a good chunk of the day. But the thing is, is that uh, I watched it, watched it today, and I even though it's about, 40, about 45 minutes, it did not feel like it. It only felt like 20. It just went by so quickly. Um and it was very enjoyable. It's not much of a cliffhanger as the last one was, which I have to admit, I'm, I'm happy about that. They didn't, you know, it's not, they, they didn't leave us hanging as much as they did in the last one. So, uh, but they did obviously leave us a lot of room for speculation and, um, you know, it, it, wrapped up a couple things and we had to say goodbye to a couple characters that we've come to uh, really enjoy. And then it actually opened up a couple more questions for us too. All right. Very good. Um, yeah, for myself. Um, yeah, it was a pretty solid episode. Uh, it definitely, uh, wasn't as good as the penultimate episode. Um, or even episode six, but, but it's still a really solid episode. I enjoyed it. Uh, a whole lot. Uh, Kevin made some good points. Uh, we have a lot of questions that, if not answered, were expanded upon. Uh, we may have lost a couple of characters or or whatnot, and I am assuming, I mean, who knows what could happen, you know, when we get to season three, but I'm assuming they, they're uh, no longer with us. Um, also, uh, we, we're having a big role for a couple other characters that we have met that haven't played much of a role yet. And then also um, I do feel the the flow of the episode and probably the whole season worked out well. We, we mentioned last week about the training episodes of Arya in the Game of Thrones 
uh, and how horribly boring and way overdone that was. And uh, this show here, with the training of uh, the Nine Knots by Diana, um, actually, um, if still a little confusing, meaning meaning not enough questions or, or, or time shown her doing it, uh, but it was enough to make us know that, okay, she, obviously she's really worked hard and now she can time trip again. Um, and so I think they did it really good where they didn't do the Arya nonsense from Game of Thrones, but uh, still were able to uh, let us know and understand what happened and why she can now you know do what she can do. Uh, so yeah, a uh, really good episode. Uh, let's go with you, Barrett. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, it it just felt right to me. Um, yeah, it ended with a cliffhanger, but it wasn't like the last seasons. And we know that there's going to be a season three as well, for sure. Um, and it almost feels like just an extended season two, to be honest. It feels like it's going to go right into it when we get there. Um, it just was a really good episode. We had some really bittersweet moments and some good just some good acting good filming and good movement of the plot um and you really got to enjoy the characters that you you've been liking through the season yep absolutely um now this episode uh had five i mean let me rephrase that farron blackburn was the director and farron blackburn has done five of the episodes of this season um and then Susie Conklin and Pete McTeague uh, co-wrote it. Uh, Pete McTeague uh, wrote episode six and seven and episode four as well. But uh, obviously uh, six, we've said, was probably one of the best of the season, if not the series. Uh, and Susie Conklin, um, I think this may be her. Nope, nope. She actually did uh, episode two of this season as well. Um so they're doing a lot like Game of Thrones where they're they're doing a lot of turnover from season one to two where the writers and directors of season one aren't carried over to season two. I wonder if they're how that will work with season three. We'll find out uh in well, a year. Um yeah, yeah right. Um okay, so I already mentioned about how, how we're gonna critique and all that not just review. Uh, now let me just read the little synopsis they have here on Wikipedia. Wikipedia is, is a horrible uh, website because there's a lot of lies and they've had some bad things about written about them. But, but um, that is mostly on their political and biographical um, information. This here is just a TV show. So this is just a synopsis of a TV show. So I believe it is a fair, uh, account and uh, since we've all watched the show, we we can verify that. Uh, this is what it says: Diana's father Stephen arrives in 1591 in search of the Book of Life, having received the missing page in his own time. He and Diana exchange valuable information and get a chance to say goodbye. Miriam and the Wilsons arrive at Septors, followed by Marcus and Phoebe. Matthew has found a place for Jack with his friend Henry Percy, but Diana secretly arranges for Andrew Hubbard to watch over the boy as well. Hubbard is later confronted by Benjamin, 
the vampire from Bohemia, so that would be Fuchs, uh, who is revealed to be his sire. Diana completes her magical training and bids farewell to Goody and Susanna. Domenico tracks the killer to Matthew's home, but is attacked before he can learn his identity. Later, Benjamin is seen watching Domenico. Gerbert convinces Knox to infiltrate Septors. Knox finds the temple where Emily last performed her ritual and uses magic to lure her there. When she refuses to give him the page from the Book of Life, he kills her. Deanna and Matthew prepare to return to the present, and Isabel prepares for the battles to come. All right, that's uh, fairly good. Uh, some minor things that could be added is Susanna was also given the little elk figurine, I think it was, uh, because she is the one that will pass it down from generation to generation until it lands up that's with Diana in present day. What's that, Kevin? I thought it was the chess piece uh, statue of Diana. Yeah, I, that's right. Which is it's an elk, isn't it? Yeah, well, I it's, it's, on it, but okay. Yeah, I didn't get a good look at it. No, that's real. That's real. Um, also, uh, Benjamin was the individual looking at Domenico, so that's interesting. So Benjamin Fuchs is uh, obviously still alive, five hundred years later. Or, or 400 years later, and he is in modern-day London, and he looks much different because he's clean-cut and he looks like a yuppie um, compared to uh, what he looked like when we, we see him in 1591, both in Bohemia and in London. Um, all right, so... Uh, that's pretty... They could have added some information about Marcus is now definitely becoming more of a leader as far as you know, deciding that's what true. direction to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and we'll get into all that stuff. So uh, before we do, um, I, anything else that anybody wanted to add? Well, quickly, I just wanted to, one of the things that I noticed is they did do a very brief Diana in training. And I was actually happy to see that. Because we did, I mean, it. they didn't waste a lot of time, but they did show us that, yes, Diana is training, and we see a little bit of that. Um, it's interesting seeing, you know, meeting uh, Diana's father. And uh, something else that, uh, oh, like I see, yeah, and we, you mentioned earlier, I, I thought it was interesting uh, meeting the person who who sired the priest. And, you know, and he... Yeah, to find Hugh Fuchs, right? The, yeah, Fuchs. The side Hubbard, right? And Hubbard's Sire. on the good side, while we're assuming Fuchs is going to be on the bad side. Exactly. Yeah, so that, that was interesting, too. Uh, oh, anything else, Kevin? Yeah, Diana, you say Diana was willing to let uh, Hubbard have a drop of it, you know, have a drop of his blood, a drop of her blood, and even though it's like you, you always kind of have this weird feeling about um, Hubbard. He, he has, he does end up being a, a, a decent guy, a little odd, but a decent guy. Yeah. The actor that plays Hubbard, um, 
is really, really good in the role, and and I think think it's also partly because the role is written that way, and and this guy really can um, has hit it out of the park, and his name is Paul Rise. Um, he's a Welshman, obviously, with the last name Rise. Um, Actually, he, he, it's R H Y S. R H Y S. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. Reese. Reese. Okay, that's how you pronounce it. How about that? Yeah. So I I, I get Ledesma, but I can't get Reese. How about that? Anyway, um, so yeah, Paul Reese uh, is an actor, and yeah, he plays it very creepily and eccentrically and a little off, as you said, Kevin, and that's what has made his character um, one that we were questioning whether he's going to be a good guy or a bad guy pretty much the whole season, and also his his weird desire for certain things like the you know the blood and the power and all that. So. He, he has always been ambiguous, and yet we find out by I guess the penultimate episode that that okay he's he's a good guy, uh, but but unfortunately he has a, a a dark secret which is the individual who sired him is possibly a bad guy. Well, and you're right about his acting. I mean, he can do he can give you this feeling of kind of creepiness and oddness just by the look on his face. Uh, it doesn't require any any talking on his part. <laughs> it's all all in his features. Exactly. That's, exactly. Yeah, that's a, actually a really good point. Uh, a lot of times, um, we, we've we've discussed on other podcasts that we've me, you, Barrett, and you, Kevin, have done how actors aren't just acting based off of their lines and whatnot, but um, they really have to act based off of their expressions and and um facial features and and this guy is definitely one of those actors uh well i haven't i meant about that with uh with matthew you know just when he kind of goes into that blood rage look i mean he does something with his eyes that that utterly freaks me out yeah that's true that's true yeah yeah exactly um yeah matthew good as we know uh uh, he's a pretty huge actor uh, beyond this television series uh, from uh, Downtown Abbey to um, my first time ever seeing him was in uh, Match Point, uh, the Woody Allen film. And then oh. even be- even more so was the uh, Stoker, uh, the uh, Ch- uh, Chan Wook Park film, his first English language film. Uh, that was really good, too. And, and he, he was the lead there, played a bad guy or, or at least a yeah, I would call him a bad guy. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a solid actor as well. Um, all right, so where do we want to begin? Um, we can follow various story plots and story points as we go. Um, I do want to mention one thing first, because a lot of the episode, um, and, and I guess the series as a whole, is going that route. Uh, which is Phoebe has this interesting speech when basically what happens is, as we just we read in the synopsis from Wikipedia, uh, a bunch of people head to uh, the Claremont estate and hang out there. So we have demons there, we have witches there, we have vampires there, obviously, and then we have a human, and that's Phoebe. And Phoebe makes this interesting speech how there's four different species together and they're all friends and they're all working together. And that is the future. Um, 
and and that that's fair um but unfortunately that even that I mean that's how I mean that's how what everybody tries to say even today, except for bad people about humanity in a sense. But the problem is with that thought process is that whether it's humans in her case, or whether it's vampires and and witches especially, th- there's a lot of bad individuals. Whether it's because they're just evil, whether if they're one of the 10% of the population that has a dissocial personality disorder, there's just always going to be bad people, whether they're vampires, demons, witches, or humans. And so even if they do work together and try to improve and do come together, because they're thinking of, you know, um, Marcus says, maybe we should get rid of um, the separation of the species and get rid of, you know, pull, you know, retract that rule from the, the congregation. And that's a, a step forward for sure. There's always still going to be problems because you have the Noxes and you have the Jubos and you have the Ayatollah Khomeini's and and you know the guy from China and on and on. You just have these bad people. They're just out there. And I I don't know if anything she says is possible, even if she has a good meaning behind what she's saying thoughts anyone well it kind of goes back to what eric uh from the dark discussions podcast would always say is people suck um but i mean yeah it's it's you're always going to get that that small i mean you can get like a whole bunch of you can get over 95 percent of a population that say you know what i really want to get along i really want to not have bad blood between us. I really want to, um, you know, live peacefully. You know, we may not agree on 100% of everything, but I'm sure we can come to a, a, a mutually beneficial agreement. And then you're always going to get like that, that five to 10% that will corrupt that, that, that will say, no, they don't, they want their power and they'll get enough followers to cause trouble. And it's just, and I mean, in this episode, it was interesting that we find that um, I don't remember if it was mentioned before, but it was Philippe who actually made the the congregation in the first place. And it was him that ended up breaking the congregation rules by essentially making Diana a member of his family. But, um, you know, you can't there, there's there's always going to be somebody to, to really mess it all up. Barrett, your thoughts? Um, I, I think her objective is honorable. I think she wants, you know, everyone to kind of come together and and get along. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, people suck, but I think that their their goal is going to be to, you know, get rid of the congregation and be able to mix together. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's the fair point because even though her, what she says goes far and beyond what can really happen it can be a small step or at least if not a small step a local step in a sense in other words yeah you you can do you can do changes locally but you can't do changes throughout the world so maybe 
what she refers to, even if it's trying to change the world, that won't happen, obviously, because of what Kevin just just explained brilliantly, I feel. But it could change the, the locality or the smaller scale, as you just mentioned here, uh, Barrett, which is, you know, allow the races to mix and, and mingle and, and um, basically have friendship rather than just a forbidding peace between them. Yeah, and so, eventually she does tell Yuzabo that she thinks humans suck. She basically says that later on when they talk to each other in uh, the the library or whatever. Right, and and that was interesting that she said that because it obviously allows us to know that she can see the same flaws that yeah, yeah. we see about people, as Eric Webster, you know, Kevin mentioned, people suck. But as we discussed I think it was two episodes ago, maybe where the vampires and the demons and the witches are as bad as the people because they have their dinks to, to be as polite as I can in their um, communities as, as the humans do in our community. Right. I mean, you know, we got Fuchs, we got Jabir, we got Knox. I mean, they're, they're all scumbags. I mean, Domenico, yeah is if not an evil he's at least an opportunist you know so and then the the finished witch and then we had the uh, the curly-haired witch from season one that's now dead so so there, there's a lot of the bad oh the one that wanted to steal uh the french witch that tried to steal diana's thoughts i mean i mean you know so they're bad they're they're all every every group has their bad people um so i think they can do it like you said, Barrett, but they just won't obviously be able to have this utopia that, that they, they feel that they would, that I guess everybody would hope for. Yeah, because there'll never be a utopia because there's always some person out there that wants power over other people or wants something that they don't currently have and they're willing to take it from other people. So that will always be the hampering of any, <laughs> you know, true peace anywhere in any time right and and if we look at it as a religious way and uh kevin can can i i I'll, i can defer to you too though though I'm, you know myself i've had plenty of um ccd for the catholic church when, when i was you know for as a kid um which is humans and and demons witches and vampires since it appears they were all humans at one point somehow or somewhere um we're, we're all sinners yes. we all have have bad thoughts even if we try to do good well yeah we all have i mean we are all yes we're all born into sin we all um have what we would call a sinful nature to us and that's why jesus came Exactly. Exactly. So, if if you're a, a person of the Christ, one of the Christian faiths, that's what you would believe. And if you're part of the Judeo-Christian, and I assume the Islamic faiths too, because that religion is is from the um, the sons of Abraham and and Ishmael, I think. Um, they all believe that humans are born with a sin. Um, and, and, and even if you don't believe in religion, that you, everybody can see it, right? Everybody knows that people have, are, can be s sinful. 
You gonna say something, Cameron? Oh, no, I mean, I said it, it's just we were. I mean, we were all born from. I mean, we we're all in sin. Uh, you know, since Adam and you know the flood and Tower of Babel and all that sort of thing. I mean, we've had it. You know, throughout our our existence, and so it's just a question of, um, you know, it's 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 kind of what we are, and like and, and getting into the Christian aspect of it. You know, that's why Jesus came to Earth. Now, I mean, I understand that you know not everybody agrees, and that's you know that's up to you. I'm just saying that um, from a Christian perspective, yes, you know, we are all born to sin, so we all have that sinful nature in us. It's just some, some, for some people, it just comes out more. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and not, not to get really into the, um, off topic. It's just that, that my point was, is that even if you take away that 20% of bad people, whether they're just bad because they want things or if they're bad because they have a dissocial personality disorder and, and actually, and and no, no disrespect for for people who that may have that one of those disorders, and keep it in check. The other eighty well, percent. Yes, go let's ahead. be honest. Those twenty percent think that they're the right ones. So yeah, nobody's right. nobody's the villain in their own world. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, I I, I wouldn't doubt that Knox and Jubay. Well, I don't. I don't know about Joubert. He. He. I think he's Joubert. a real he, Joubert. He's a real scoundrel. I think Knox just thinks he's right. No, I, I did. I did like when he said fetch. <laughs> yeah, I'm not your hunting dog. Fetch. fetch. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was that was great. Yeah, and that really shows you who's real in power there. Uh huh. Yeah, that's bad. Um. All right, so let's get into other topics. Uh, that was a general topic about the whole episode, but uh, let's we could talk about some specifics now. Uh, what do we want to talk about? Who wants to throw up something? I find Please. it interesting how um, Isabeau was very ex- very accepting of um, oh, crumbs. I forgot her name already. Phoebe, Phoebe. Phoebe. thank you, Phoebe. Um, how impressed. She was quickly. I mean, it didn't take her long to be impressed with Phoebe. And, uh, you know, because first she was you know, like talking to her, you know, kind and all that. But then as she, you know, as Phoebe leaves, you know, he, he sees uh, he, he looks at her, you know, um, dang it. Yeah, I forgot. Marcus. 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 He said, you made a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, if, if there's some flaws in in this season or even as a show it's the amount of stuff they have to get in for the number of episodes they have because again this isn't um some like like regular television where they you know they have 24 episodes per season uh this is uh only 10 and season 1 only had 8 but you know you know i mean phoebe they've had her character maybe 3 times maybe four at the most and, and, and maybe less than an hour the entire season. And that relationship between her and Marcus, how strong it grew in such short period of time. Again, we're, we're assuming it's a short period of time because again, we don't know maybe months have passed since 
since uh, he, when he first met CB to the time he's now at, at the Claremont Estate. But um, that, that you know, that, so that that kind of is is unfortunately a minor flaw. Though again, to get that story to be where it is, I guess they have to do it again, especially when they only have ten episodes to do it. Um, and even Isabel's change um, from accepting versus her witch days of 1591 when she was mass murdering people uh, or witches. Uh, <laughs> that change, even though it's quick on the television series, I think they, they portray it well enough that we understand that change. It's just that um, for those who, who may poo-poo the change, it's it's really just simply because of, of amount of time you can you have in, in you know ten hours of TV to do it. Yep. Uh, and so. and I like that better. I'd rather as long as I'm given the feeling that there's some time passing. And and she's you know hundreds thousands of year, years old, so I can kind of accept this change over that amount of time. Um, but you know if you had 24 episodes, it would be easier to show that. But I'm glad that we don't, because there's so many filler episodes when you get to that many in a season, like we used to have in so many shows. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and to be honest, I'd rather have this occur, something like this occur, rather than, yeah, you know, the, the four season it took Daenerys to get to Westeros, or yeah. the, the one or two seasons it took Arya uh, in the the house of many faces, you know? Um, so you can, that, that's the opposite where, where it's, where it goes, takes too long versus here, which may be too quick, but at least it's not as boring, I guess. Right. Right. And if it's portrayed well, you feel it. You know, like, I think we yeah. get the feeling because you even see her ch- her changing of her attitudes throughout season one and two. Now, they're not as extreme as in the past because she was, you know, massacring witches. But she we obviously know that something has changed since that time. And then we know that Philippe has died. So that had to have an effect. And then from there, you know, we know that we've gotten to this point, And now she, as things are changing even more, she's changing with it. So. Well, wasn't That's there true. a point when we first, when we, when um, Marcus first talks about her, uh, talks about Phoebe to Isabeau, and Isabeau pretty much just says, kill her? Yeah. Well, she yeah. says he has to decide, you know, what to do. Right. I don't know that she outright says, you have to kill her. She just suggests that that's what he should do, and he knows what he should do. <laughs> that That is true. I mean... It would be interesting to know what Phoebe would think if she, um, you know, heard that conversation, you know, uh, that, yeah, you have to kill this woman, you know. And now a few episodes later, she's, you know, saying, okay, Phoebe's okay, you know. Um, And that's okay. That's okay. and we and we got to remember these folks are, are many centuries old, so they change with the times anyway, right? 
Yeah, and the ones that don't are probably the ones that don't succeed in getting into the future. You know what I mean? Like they get killed or something because they're anachronisms and they don't change and grow. Or you're Knox or Jaber and just kill everybody who wants to change. <laughs> well, even Jaber, I think, has changed. I mean, he's he's with yeah, he's changed enough that yeah. he can survive. I think the ones that, that just don't survive, are, yeah, the ones that don't survive are the ones that cannot change no matter what. True. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, okay, so if we're talking about things that we really liked in this episode, I really liked her father being in this episode. I thought it was yes. It was bittersweet. It was a great set of scenes with him with Diana, and it was so cool to learn that he was a time walker. It adds so much more to the story. Um and you almost get in that in that portion of his story with her that part of him seeing her there what gave him the idea to harness, you know cover her power up i just got that feeling from it sure yeah and, and the way they introduced it right i mean the, the very first scene after uh you know when, when diana is uh learning to finish the knots goody mentions uh-oh there's a time walker we have to watch out and, and see if they'll identify themselves. And so when we find out it's actually her father, I think that was a pretty much of a shock to us, the audience, as much as it was to um, Matthew and Diana. I mean, the best yeah. expression of all was when Matthew smells coffee, and that's how he knows the Time Walker's nearby, because coffee hasn't yeah. been introduced <laughs> to London yet by that point. Um, and Diana well, says, oh, you I think what Goody first said was there's another weaver. Yeah, another weaver, but another weaver and oh, she does yeah. he's a time walker and then and that's when Matthew smells Kaiser says it's another time walker. How do you know? I smell coffee. She says the coffee isn't gonna be here for another, you know, year, you know, many years. And actually I total aside uh, on this one, I, I listened to a, a, a history book on on coffee and the reason why and it was interesting because coffee was in england for a while but the problem was is that it was so rare and so hard to get that's why the british more stuck with tea for 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 many many years for hundreds of years it's hard to get that that makes sense that makes sense yeah yeah yeah, coffee actually originated in the middle east that's right this is exactly right and and that's how they finally what was I mean? Uh, I think the first time they discovered coffee was when the dead Turkish soldiers during war they would have coffee on them, and th- and that's how they found out how good coffee was because they would you know when you're taking the spoils of the of the dead they right. found the coffee you know and and if Turkey pretty much owned the Middle East and and you're all continuously at war with the Ottoman Empire it's going to be difficult to get certain products that are basically monopolized by you know one one nation in that case the ottoman empire so right. it is kind of interesting yeah but either way he, he smells the coffee and so he runs over and he grabs this guy and he says who are you why do you want from us and when she says dad 
Yeah. The, the the expression on Matthew's face was hilarious because he, he's he's about to he, he suddenly pulls back and goes oh you know, like oh gee you know he doesn't say that but but his face expression as we've discussed Matthew Good can really do a great ex- facial expressions in acting never mind regular um, doing his lines um, it was a great great scene it was an absolutely awesome scene and and it was like oh this is awesome because this was a twist that I was not expecting what about you guys. I was not expecting him to be in the episode at all. <laughs> oh yeah, not remotely. That was that just came out of left field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it was also interesting too is that uh um you know her f- parents father's fate is is similar to Matthew's father's fate. Um and so they that little scene afterwards when they they're talking about about it uh was kind of heart rendering but the the other thing that's interesting too is that her father, similar to Matthew's father, earlier in this season, is accepting his future fate, even though he doesn't know what it is, but he knows that it's probably not going to be good, and he's a realist, similar to Felipe's, and and they and and comes to grips with it, and lets both Matthew. In his case, Philippe's case, and in Stephen's case, let's Diana be at peace with it as well. You know, don't worry about our fates, basically. Um, now, let's talk about the book. So he says that he can't take the book. Yeah, which I found interesting. Um, he's very worried about changing history, which is... You know, we've had a lot of talks about the time travel aspects in this and what could happen and what does happen. Do we have paradoxes? Do we have, you know, fate accompli where, it, you know, whatever they do isn't changing anything. It, it happened already. Right. So it's it's really I'm really questioning now <laughs> how things work. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gathering that. um there's going to be changes. The future has been changed. Um, and, and it's probably too late because isn't it Steven? Who's the one that says again, Steven is, uh, is the father. Isn't he's the one that says that you should only be, um, I guess, what's the word he uses? Not viewing or watching. Um, but he says something that you, you don't supposed to participate. You're only supposed to, um, view or, or critique what was going on and not observe. actually participate. Was that Kevin? Like observe, but not, uh, yeah. Observer. That's the word he uses. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I felt that's, that's a fair point. Um, but again, that, that's, that's a little too late now. So what, what do you guys think of that? What, what do you think is going to happen? Because, I mean, it actually, he's like one of those guys that would, it would really be awesome to kind of, I mean, I kind of envy him because wouldn't you want to go back in time just to observe things like, you know, Stonehenge being put together, the pyramids being put together, you know, the the Sphinx, or just see like the the modern, you know, just see like the seven wonders of the world, like, in their fullest, you know, like all together and, you know, in their prime and things like that. And just to be able to see 
various events, not read it through a book, you know, through somebody's interpretation of it, but actually see it happen. I mean, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and answer a lot of questions, right? You know, how did the Stonehenge get made? How did the pyramids get made? What what was Stonehenge for? You know, that other good stuff. Yeah, that's all fair points. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, so the, he says you shouldn't take the book. And I don't. I forget the exact reason why. What did he say was the danger for, to take the book? Because it would change time, right? Maybe that's what. Yeah, I, I think that's what, we, what he was intimating. Yeah, that it would change the way things are. Um, but I don't know. It, it's weird <laughs> because she can't read it, obviously, right now because we think the missing pages, and it sounds like that's what she's thinking too, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and, and well, it's not complete. What's that again, Kevin? It's not complete. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and Stephen has one of the pages. Um, well, but, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, like, from Debbie's email in the book, it, it, we even find that he actually helped write the book. I mean, he contributed to it. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. No, it doesn't look like that's what happened here because he's saying he just wanted to study it. That's true, too. Yeah. Yeah. And he says that's the point. He comes back to uh, to observe or study it. But that doesn't mean he's going to take it. So it's almost like, you know, when you go to those libraries and they have those special books that they don't let anybody take out, but you can sit and read it while you're in the library. And then when you leave the library, you can't take it home with you. It's kind of like that, I think. Well, I think he was looking for it. I think he was first looking for it. Right, right. But but his goal, he said, was that he was planning to study it but and but yeah. not take it. Oh, yeah. And, and, he, didn't, he didn't want to take it back with him. Yeah. Um so what 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 else do we want to talk about with Stephen and Diana and and the book? Anything else? Well, we know he's self-taught. We yes. About that that was interesting. Fun. Yeah, because she goes, you know how it takes time to learn how to, you know, um the nine knots and all that other stuff and he goes he goes no, I, I wouldn't because I'm self-taught. And I yeah. thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he did have weavers to help teach him. Right. And also he's, he's a male, right. And, and for whatever reason that a male weaver is very, very rare as we, what we were told earlier in the season. Well, I mean, it's not just that, but there may not have been other weavers around to actually teach him. Because right. I mean, when he met with Goody, I mean, Goody pretty much said, we're the only weavers left. As right. far as she knew, because we do know that the Finnish witch is a weaver, and we don't know right. anything about that bloodline, so. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, and honestly, obviously, weaver makes you powerful, but is Knox, who I don't think is a weaver, more powerful than many weavers. Not that that has anything to do with the main plot 
of this episode. It's just a curiosity I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Well, his, uh, Knox's yeah. power definitely seems different from weaving. His is more darkness oriented. Um, in black magic, I, I don't know what that means in the sense of this show because they haven't really detailed that. Well, right, not right. that, but I mean, it was also it was interesting because, well, first of all, the the one woman said someone mentioned that you know he's into uh, may have been the father said he's into the dark arts, you know, and he's always been fascinated with the dark arts. Yeah, I think it was the father who said, oh, yeah, he's always been fascinated with the dark arts. But the funny part is, is well, not the funny part, the interesting part is, is that when the, the, the Finnish weaver comes and pretty much offers her services to him, like offers her assistance, he says, he pretty much tells her off. And I don't even think he knows that she is a weaver. No, he doesn't. Because, he, because no one has ever mentioned her being a weaver before. So that makes me wonder, like, if he found out, you know, if she said, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a weaver. It'd be like, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. You know, you're always welcome. You know, that type of thing. It's, you know, cause, um, because, I mean, it doesn't seem like anybody in present time knows that Diane is a weaver. And so I have a feeling when she faces Knox, you know, and Diana starts doing weaver stuff in front of him, he's probably going to freak out. And then maybe when the Finnish witch comes in, she says, I'm a weaver. And, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's, and you know, Diana will probably be like, oh yeah, me too. And, you know, I can just imagine the Finnish witch saying, oh yeah, well, which, which is your element? All of them, you know, I could just imagine that happening to and watching the finish, which freak out on that one, too. I, I, those are scenes I would love to to uh, to watch. Yeah, that's true. Um, and this brings me back to the uh, original or not the original, the, the point that was made earlier and how this show has been podcasted primarily by women. And like, you know, I was saying how Diane, you know, the main character is Diana, but also think about this though, is that Diana is showing herself to be more powerful than male witches and probably even male vampires. And so, I mean, there is a, a woman power message here and, uh, which, as I said, makes sense why uh, you know a lot of women would want to cover this, cover this show, um, and I that makes total sense to me. And I and I hope those and I hope those people don't mind us uh, us three guys uh, doing a show on it and utterly praising it. Great. <laughs> um. What else? Uh, what else on this this plot point do we want to talk about? Uh, well, she does her final um, ninth weave. Yeah, so she finishes true. her training. Yeah, she um, does her final knot, and the father's there to. Well, and it's also cool because like the father's there now to watch. You know, and yeah. it helps her with a little bit of advice. It's like pretty much he's just saying, you know kind of let it happen on its own you you know you're kind of guided but don't fight it 
you know, kind of let it happen. You know, so, I mean, it's kind of like the father coaching his daughter, you know, something that she probably always wished, wished for when she was younger is, you know, for time with her father to do stuff like that. Well, and I really liked at the very end when she gives the um, the ancestor of the woman in the future the piece that she's going to eventually get. I just I really like that. That was a nice closure on that plot line. Yeah, see, that's that's what makes me wonder if all of this if that time hasn't changed that it had already happened and you know um because you know because i mean if it if it didn't then how did how did they get the how did that woman in in the present time get that chess piece right <laughs> that's a fair point yeah yeah i mean the the future is already was already created by the past. In other, in other words, when she gets the time, the chess piece from the 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 demon woman, the, the you know the girl, the woman, um, she hadn't gone back yet to the past, and yet she already had gone back to the past because the past is the past, right? <laughs> So maybe she's not changing time at all. Maybe it was always going to be that way. So the the only way she would know if time has changed is if she goes back to an earlier portion of her own life, right? You know, because she's a you know the, let's say let's say she's thirty years old. She would only know personally if things have changed, if she goes back to say when she was 20 to see if anything changed from going back in the past, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And also can, can they change major things? Like, you know, could she change world war two from happening or the communist revolution of China happening or, or whatever? Keep belief from dying. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Right. You know, or her own parents, you know, right. Yep. Um, but based off of her getting the chess piece in 2021 and then giving it to somebody in 1591 to pass it on generation to generation until she regets it in 2021 makes me wonder if she hasn't changed anything. Because everything is occurring as it would have anyway, because she did get the piece in 2021 from an ancestor of Susanna, Susanna. Yeah. But again, we're, we're now we're getting into really that time trippy, you know, yeah, where we can never holes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, also, also, it was kind of interesting, too, is that he was there, meaning her father was there, but unlike her prior trainings, which showed her creating the tree of life, Isgrisel, or when the fire drake appears, this, this was kind of a little oddly anticlimactic compared to those other scenes. Yeah, and I think it was supposed to be, you know? Yeah. I don't think we're supposed to get, I mean, I don't know. 
I, th- I think it was not supposed to be like any greater than that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, all right. So, anything further on this story plot point of episode ten? And if not, we, where else do you want to go? I was going to say we could move on to um, yeah, do it. Diana going to Hubbard and letting him, you know, taste her blood one drop, one single drop, so that he'll protect Jack. But then I start to wonder about that because then Hubbard eventually has meets up with his sire Benjamin, and who is asking about Diana. So it makes you wonder what Hubbard's going to do. <laughs> right. And this is an interesting thing, because I think De- Debbie, uh, she emailed us earlier in the the uh, season, and she mentioned, and I swore she mentioned this, that Jack plays an important role in season three. Yes. And if he, and if he, and season three is all in the present, not in the past anymore. So if that's the case, and they're not taking Jack with them to the future. Then what does that mean? And again, this is an interesting thing is that we don't see, they didn't by the, when the season ends, Diana and Matthew still haven't time trip back to the future yet. So two things could occur. One, the beginning of next season, episode one, when they do time trip back to the future, they will take Jack after all, because Hobbit is now, I guess, suspect because of Fuchs. Or they time trip without Jack and Benjamin Fuchs turns Jack into a vampire and therefore makes Jack now aligned with him. And therefore Jack survives into the future London 2021 thoughts well it's it's interesting because part of me is I, I don't know if it's this is the case or not but I part of me wonders if Jack is the one with uh, the blood rage how I don't know but maybe uh because I mean, we were suggest we were suggesting that Fuchs was the one with the blood rage, but you know, we still don't see the face. Right. Uh, we don't still don't see the face of the guy with the blood rage, even after he attacks Domenico. We don't really know what happened, and, and kind of and just to quickly go into that because that was a very brief moment. But we really don't know what happens to Domenico either, except Domenico gets attacked, lives walks somewhere into a building and we see Fuchs watching him. So we don't know if it's, I mean, it could be Fuchs. That is the blood rage guy, but who knows? Maybe somehow, um, Fuchs sires, uh, Jack. I mean, well, let's talk about this. This is a really good observation by you, Kevin, because I didn't think of that, but it makes sense because first of all, when Domenico confronts the blood rage kook, we don't, like you said, we don't see his face. And if they're going to show Fuchs's face five minutes later in, in another scene, why wouldn't they have just shown Fuchs's face? Right there, unless they don't want to, us to, 
unless they don't want Domenico to know it's Fuchs. Not that it would matter to him because he, I mean, he he may not even know who Fuchs is anyway. So my guess is that you could be right because Jack, if he is sired by Fuchs, and we know Fuchs has some has a blood rage because we saw him kill um, the guard that was guarding uh, uh, Kelly in Bohemia, then there's a chance that he could carry the blood rage to Jack. And then Jack could be the person in the future that is doing all the murders and, and has become a bad guy. Well, it could, you know, Hubbard is also his progeny, so he could sire Jack still, and the blood rage would still be catchable, right? Right, right. Because we, as we we've seen, someone like Marcus and Isabel both carry the blood rage gene, but they are asymptomatic, and yeah. Hubbard appears to be asymptomatic as well. But that doesn't mean others aren't. For example, Matthew is not asymptomatic as we know, as was Louisa. And if Jack is bit by either Hubbard or Fuchs and becomes a vampire, there's a chance that he may also not be asymptomatic. And he could be Fuchs's, I guess, weapon similar to Matthew was, Philippe's weapon at one point. That could be. Yeah, that's that's a good thought. Yeah, so that, that yeah, that's interesting. Philippe, I mean not Philippe, uh Jack, yeah, he could he could be on the bad team after all by by season 3. Well, and what's weird about this is when does Matthew have memories catch up to where things are or does do they never catch up? Because he should know all this stuff, right? And so should all the people that are existing right now. Like, oh, they that's should a fair know point. who Jack is. If Jack's still alive, if he's turned. Yeah, I, so there's a lot of Ooh. interesting pathways yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that's not a, a flaw that you've discovered in the plot, because you're right. Because even if, if Matthew's old self reappears in 1591 when he tr transfers back to the future that 1591 i can't believe would just forget that what would no one would mention it you know jack is is with hubbard and and whatnot yeah yeah so yeah that's a good point yeah i don't know Good question. We'll, we'll have to see that what happens in season three on that, and hopefully, it isn't a flaw that you notice that you could say, "Oh, there's a little a little mistake there." Um. So yeah, yeah. So I, I'm thinking that um, Fuchs. Now that we see him in 2021 London, and we see an unknown person as the Blood Rage. The, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be Fuchs, and it could be someone else, like, for example, Jack. Because, again, Hubbard is now suspect. He can't protect Jack anymore because of 
Fuchs, and, and it appears Fuchs is more powerful than Hubbard, then Jack is, is really in trouble, especially with Matthew and Diana jumping to the future without him. Yeah. Um, all right, that's good. Uh, anything else you want to talk about that scene, the scenes with Domenico, basically, because that's that's pretty much what we're talking about right now. It was cool to see how the vampires healed themselves automatically. That was kind of cool. Yeah, you know, because they're they um, if if not killed, they 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 yeah they healed pretty quick. So that was kind of cool. So Domenico showed us that. Uh, anything else we want to talk about the those Domenico scenes? Anything? All right. I guess we can move on. Uh, all right. Any other scenes th- that we want to discuss? Uh, oh, yeah. W- w- wait, let's talk wait. about. Yeah. I do have a question about Domenico. I mean, I'm curious why he wasn't killed. <laughs> right. Right. Why didn't the, the the Blood Rage vampire just wipe him out and make sure he never has to worry about him again? Right. Well, maybe that. It's uh, a good question. Uh, maybe they knew, like, if he was attacked, he would go to a certain spot. I don't know. Or he would go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe they wanted him to live so they could follow him and see what else he knew. I mean, possibly. But it's a fair point. Because I, I would have thought that if, you know, this is a guy that's killed, what, three to five human beings with no problems. Why wouldn't he just kill Domenico, too? I mean, unless he fought him off well enough that he... Maybe that's, that's possible too. He I didn't mean, seem to fight him off at all. Actually, it looked like he was getting his butt kicked. Well, the thing is, is that it, it almost looks like he was. Um, what was it? It, it, it it's almost like he. Maybe maybe the blood rage person was thinking, okay, well, I got him, I got him bad enough. I'll just leave him alone. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, it's a good question, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, all, all I can answer is the same as what, what Kevin did, which is maybe he fought him off, even though it didn't look like that, like you said, Barrett. That's a fair point. Because it was dark at the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's another unanswered question. Um, yeah, I thought I mean, the scene was hard to even tell what exactly happened to Domenico. To be honest, aside from being scared. True, true. Yeah, because he thought he had the upper hand because, you know, he was smooth. And he goes, you know, and he was behind. He just basically speaks and he goes, yeah, you've been doing these things. What, what is it that you want about Diana? And it, and it was just, you know, but then, of course, the guy flips out and does the blood rage on him, um, which I'm surprised Domenico wasn't, wasn't prepared for it because. Yeah, he should have been. Yeah, because he's the one that's been investigating all the corpses. Right. So he's a little arrogant, though. So maybe he thought he'd have no problem. Yeah, That's a fair point, too. Fight him off. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And he does have a, a good amount of power um, or prestige, I should say, within the community. All right. Very well. Uh, if there's nothing else, I guess we can move on to the Joubert Knox the finish 
which and what happens with Knox at the Claremont Estate. I guess we can get into that. Well, I mean, the question is, is that is that woman dead or is she, I mean, well, Wikipedia like makes it sound that she's dead because in Wikipedia, it says again, this is Wikipedia. But it says when she refuses to give him the page from the book of life, Knox kills her. Well, when it sure also, looked like he killed her, too. <laughs> yeah, I thought so, too. But it was always like, wake up, wake up, wake up. And, you, you know, you don't know if they were actually. I mean, you don't know. I don't know if it. I mean, I thought that she was dead, you know, but well, I mean, well, like, Emily, right, though, they leave it as a cliffhanger for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's similar to uh, Stannis in, in Game of Thrones. You pretty much know he's dead, but maybe not. And here it's it's the same thing. You pretty much know she's dead, but maybe not until you know the season's over, and then I mean the series is over, and he, you know Stannis never reappears. Spoiler alert. Um, you know, same here. Um, but Emily does say something right before she quote unquote dies, assuming she did die, which I think she did. She says Diana is going to be more powerful than before, and she will basically avenge. avenge. Yeah, and. That kind of makes me think that he killed her. But again, for him to that, I mean, it's just bizarre. He, he he's insane because, yeah, he if if he by killing her, and and then Marcus seeing you know knowing that he did. Now he's gonna. This is war. So season three has to be war because all he had to do was even though she said no you're not going to get the page. You would think he would bail and, and come back another time, but he didn't. He stepped over the line and he killed her. And now there's no going back from that. No, there's not. He's... No. Well, not only that, but the, the other things that a couple other things that kind of got me wondering though, was, um, you know, like, uh, when Marcus came down and tried to stop, you know, tried to stop him, he says, you know, you kill me. First of all, you're on our land. He says, then he says, you know, you kill me. You're going to start a war that, you know, you cannot win. But the thing is, is that he just killed another witch. And, you know, for really, I mean, there's a couple one for real. No. Um, I mean, for we understand why he did it. But I mean, if the congregation found out that he killed one of his own, you know, I don't know if, if he'd be in trouble or not, because he is one of the witches so and he killed a witch so really the other races shouldn't care yeah, right but that, like, yeah, yeah, he, that's the thing he's living he's living in the regular rules while the claremonts are living in, in different rules now because yeah. they're yeah yeah exactly you know? and so that's the problem is that Knox keeps on saying and almost every episode he's been in this season he goes witches have the right to deal with witches and no one else has any say in it and but now but now Isabel's looking at it differently because right because witches are now part of the family and the and Phoebe's statement about you know everybody should be friends and work together changes the old thinking of of how Knox and Joubert are thinking and even Joubert and Knox are cheating too because they're working together too even if they it's more for convenience for sure Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're definitely cheating because yeah, they're working together. 
Yeah. So yeah, and and even even if what Knox did would be sanctioned because it's a witch versus witch thing, it was still uh, him passing judgment or trying to get something without going through proper channels of you know. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's another it's, question. I another question I had is is that. How did they get? How did how did the witches get the the page from the manuscript? Because I never, I don't remember them really having it. You know. Well, that that's a fair point. But again, how, yeah, I mean, how, how did Stephen get it? Right? He said he he got it. I, you know. So, I, I I think it's one of those just things that. We just assume, right? I mean, because we read someone. Someone said something in the in the show earlier that one each race got one page. Right. So it's eventually going to fall to somebody. Now, how Stephen got it, or and how you know what our, the demon gets theirs and the vampire. Well, didn't, didn't they say Diana got a page, and that came probably from Rabbi Low? Isn't that what they were talking about at one point? In this episode, oh, oh, the guy from Bohemia, yeah, yeah. Maybe, they yeah. speculated that Rabbi Lowe sent it somehow, um, because right. she has that one page. So now we yes. know where two are, right? We know one is with um, her aunt, and then the other one she had. We don't know where the third one is. Right, right, and and as we know, uh, the rabbi he based off of I think it was I think it was uh, Debbie's email. He he mentioned she mentioned that he is actually a witch in the book, even if the TV show didn't explain it well enough or, or decided not to make him a witch. And so it would make sense that he would have a friendship with Diana, especially after their, you know, the the one scene they were together in the show. But in the book, they were probably much, much more closer, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. That's a really good question. Generally, because you know, how did how did the rabbi get the page? How did Stephen get the page? How did Emily get the page? Or 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 the other aunt, uh, whatever her name is. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there is anything in the show that explained how any of these people got the pages. Was there? Not know. really. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so either. All right. Well, yeah, Sarah Bishop. That's that's the other aunt. So she, yeah. So right. who was, was was it Emmy Emily or was it Sarah that had the had the page or was it basically understood that they both had a page because they're a couple? No, only one page. No, no, no. no. But what I mean is is that they equal they both had the page as as a a couple rather than one specifically. Oh, oh, didn't really say, but I I would consider it you know as like both of theirs because yeah. Yeah. Unless the other one didn't know about it at all. <laughs> right. And then she's really keeping some secrets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um vanished the page, so I don't know if she teleported it or she whatever, because Knox was trying to get her to bring the page back, so I don't know if it's that looks like what she did, like when she kind of waved her hand over it and it disappeared, she probably transported it to somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's through time or a location, we, we don't know. Or both, for that matter. 
Oh, probably location. I don't think she has has that power to time jump. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So it was only yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah and fear of death um, was not enough to get her to send it back to him. No, torture no, and death. <laughs> he knew what would happen. She knew what would happen if he got another page because she probably figured he probably has access to at least to another page. So if they have two pages, then that's just I mean, that's worse than just having one, obviously. Yeah, actually, she knows that Knox is the murderer of Diana's parents, first of all. Well, yeah. And and she also um, know, knows that Knox, if he ever got the power to, of the book, um, yeah, he's he's you know the the next um, antichrist in a sense. Yeah, probably. he's gonna do bad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about Marcus and his confrontation with Knox. I like how Marcus has become more. Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's got chutzpah. Yeah, he, he's definitely he's grown in power, and I like him a lot more. Um, and yeah, he's he wasn't afraid to go out after Knox. It might have been not the smartest idea for him to go alone, um, but he still did it. So yeah, he's definitely gained some status in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. I was I, I I I I forgot how powerful Knox was because. I was for a second there. I thought Marcus was going to be a pretty strong challenge, and he wasn't. I was like, "Holy no. shit!" He took him down in like a second. Yeah. yeah. Even though he was able to, well, the thing is, he had that. You know, Knox had that. Yeah, talisman thing. That that talisman thing, that little ball thing. So I mean, it was almost like it didn't matter where Marcus was, because I mean, for I mean, for the most part, when we see. Which is doing um, any sort of attack spell like a fireball or anything like that. It's a direct, it's like a one direction type of thing. You know, it's like, you know, like a fireball. It just like one thing. It's like, a, you know, like a gunshot. Boom. That's it. But there isn't. But uh, this one was just, you like had the balls like anybody within the vicinity got hit, would get hit. You know, and that's essentially what happened with Marcus, because Marcus goes up to him and then all of a sudden, you know, vanishes and well, I mean, runs right behind him. So like he couldn't. So pretty much he was it's kind of like the whole idea. It's it's harder to hit a moving target. But Knox did not need. I mean, but Knox didn't care if he was a moving target or not, because he had. You know, oh. the spell that would get that would hit the moving target. But the thing is, is that it almost sounded like he was doing something very similar to Marcus than what he was doing with the with the other woman is M as she was kill as he was killing her, even though it wasn't with his hands, but he was still doing something to his head. And that's when he said to, you know, and then that's when Marcus said to Knox, he says, you know, you kill me, you're going to unleash a war that you cannot possibly win. And he was ready to die. I mean, he was ready to die right there. And I don't know if it, I can't remember if it was those words that finally scared Knox off or he heard. Actually, no, what happened was he heard other people coming. And so he knew that he had to leave. I think, right, but, Marcus, but, he, but he, he could have still killed Marcus. He could have just 
you know, went over and, and blew his brains out like he did Emily after he knocked him out. But he didn't have him, time. He did. Uh, I think Marcus could have killed him, though. But Marcus did the good guy thing and went with the rules and wasn't going to kill him outright. And then he stopped and gave him time to focus on Marcus. If Marcus had sped by him and clawed him or did something to him as he was speeding by him, other than just trying to get behind him, he might have knocked knocks out. True. Yeah. But he did That's the good true. guy thing, and he just didn't do anything right away, and that was his downfall. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, it is. It is curious um, if Marcus would have put up a good fight. I, I thought they were actually going to go there, where they were going to have you know like a, a mini war to end the the episode, and then you know Knox would flee or or something. Because I knew Marcus wasn't going to die. Because I mean, anybody who's familiar with uh, Deborah Harkness's books, um, there's been a lot of talk about her fourth book, which is a spinoff of the All Souls trilogy, which is what this show's about. And the fourth book is a book about Marcus. So you figure Marcus isn't going to be dead. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think y- you could be right. I-, I-, I thought Marcus may have had a chance. But, yeah, it would have been kind of cool if he'd have knocked that black stone out of his hand and then they went toe-to-toe like Knox might not be quite as powerful without that thing. That thing's giving him the upper hand right now. That could have been cool, but um, yeah, it it was still a good scene. It just, uh, it made Knox look really powerful. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, That's what makes me surprised that that he's such a lap dog for uh, Joubert. Yeah. Why why he would be a lap dog for that? Bozo. Yeah. I don't know. Um, let's see. Anything else uh, on on these scenes here? Uh, oh, the, let's just go. Let's just wrap up the endings, right? The stuff. What the the cliffhangers? I mean, obviously, one cliffhanger is Emily appears dead. The other is Marcus. No, I mean, everybody knows that it's. You know, I mean, basically they're going to, they're going to, they're getting ready for war, basically. Yeah, Marcus is unconscious. Yeah. Uh, the two ants are together. One is dead. Yeah. Uh, likely dead. We'll say likely dead. We don't know for sure, but we speculate. Yeah. Um, Yisbo's just sitting at her desk. Um, I can't remember. There's a long montage scene. It's kind of neat. Right. Right. Yeah. And then they end with the killing. Uh, moon by somebody that's redoing that song from uh, Echo and the Bunnymen, which I thought was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, sure. That was pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that that's pretty much uh, that part. That's that's the cliffhanger. So that's what I meant when I, I texted you guys offhand about the cliffhangers. Uh, I, I, I said, well, I've always hate cliffhangers anyway, but, and Kevin made a good point since the, we know. You know, season three is coming. You may have said that too, Barrett. Um, yeah. There's going to be a cliffhanger. But uh, it was I – w- I was – I guess I, the reason I was bummed about the cliffhanger was because they they didn't have Diana and Matthew jump back in time. 
I thought they were going to do that. So not doing it makes me wonder if something in in 1591 happens that pre prevents them from immediately jumping forward. Um, because, I mean, it sounds like everything that happens in the, in, in the last season is all in the present time. So... Yeah. Yeah. It's just Matthew closes the door after they say all their goodbyes, and that's about the extent of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Anything else we want to discuss? Is it is are we are we missing anything that we want to talk about that we missed? I guess not. Um all right, so uh Let's, let's give our final thoughts on, on the episode then. Uh, why don't you start, Barrett? I really like this episode. I loved Diana's interplay with her father. I'm glad we got to see that. I'm glad um, that part was in this episode. Um, I thought there was just a lot of really good character development between all of the characters and what's going to become the rebellion against the congregation, from what I can tell. Um, I think the storyline was really well done. Um, the whole season was great. And just generally, I, I'm looking forward to season three. All right. Very good. Um, yeah, for me, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really good. Uh, cliffhanger. Um, you know, it, I mean, it, it was exciting. You know, a lot of things happened. A lot of stories were wrapped up. A lot of stories were now presented. Uh, we, we learned a bunch of new things about certain characters. Um, and, and, and we have a lot to look forward to for season three. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty good episode. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, Kevin. Um, very good show. Very good season. Um, we'll have to see. Obviously, I'm looking forward to season three to see uh, how things happen. I mean, there are things that I'm curious about because you have uh, Hubbard, who is obviously, you know, 1590s. But now, why isn't he in present time? You know, will we find that out? Will we find out what happened to Jack and Will we see, and it sounds like we'll see um, Gallo Glass again, who uh, I liked him a lot, and so I'm glad we'll see him again. I hope uh, I hope he's all right. Um, you know, I also kind of like the, the one statement that Gallo Glass said with Matthew uh, before he left. He says, well, at least you'll have the old me and Gallo Glass. <laughs> I like Gallo Glass. Uh, it's all the same to you. I kind of like the new you better. Um but all that aside, I'm just hoping that uh, we'll find out what happens to a lot of the people that we met in 1591. And also one thing that I wonder, well, actually, I'll save that for uh, conject, uh, conjecture into the next season. Sorry. So, yes, excellent, excellent show. Excellent season. Can't wait for the third one. All right. Sounds good. Um all right, so that's our discussion on the season finale of season two, so episode 10, or episode 18 total. Um, 
we're definitely going to be back once more, as we discussed before uh, we started talking at the very beginning of this episode. We said we'll be back for a 30-minute or so wrap-up episode uh, where we're going to discuss our final thoughts of the entire season as a whole and what some of the storylines will mean for season three and what we think may occur in season three. Uh, so we will be definitely back next week. So definitely um, don't delete the podcast yet uh, from your RSS feed because we're, we're uh, going to come back for one more. Uh, also for folks who want to uh, participate because uh, we know that your listeners are out there. Um, you can send in emails to darkdiscussions at AOL.com or go to darkdiscussions.com and press the contact us form and fill that out just like an email. Uh, and we will read your emails on next week's podcast. Uh, so your thoughts, your final uh, opinions and whatnot. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, uh, talk about what you guys have to say too uh, in your emails. Um, and yeah, that's what that pretty much wraps that up here um but yeah uh thank you everybody for joining us um at least for now and uh, hopefully you guys will join us next week as well um so i guess uh with all that stated kevin why don't you lead us out thank you very much for listening to us talk about this particular episode the season finale of discovery witches Thank, uh, please join us in next week when we do our wrap-up episode, and you, if you do have emails, now is a good time to send them. <laughs>